On this episode of Trading Camp Podcast, Alejandro and Noah welcome back Matt from Rocket Scooter. Matt talks about what's changed with Rocket Scooter over the past year, details his golden setup, and doubles down on his bold market predictions for 2023. This episode is brought to you by Rocket Scooter, the next generation of trading tools that will replace everything you know about trading. Built by engineers for the retail trader, Rocket Scooter's revolutionary algorithm is the first of its kind. It uncovers institutional positions and reveals market maker risk and hedging in real time using their AI scanner and algorithmic charting. Rocket Scooter has invented 15 unique indicators that predict high volume before it happens, allowing you to visualize price levels where big money is most interested. There's nothing like it. To see how Rocket Scooter is changing the game for retail traders, check out their three-month pro trial. Right now, they are offering three months of Rocket Scooter Pro for only $35 a month, knocked down from the original price of $179 a month. Take advantage of this monster deal by heading over to the link in the show notes and get started using Rocket Scooter today. Trading Camp has partnered with Elite Trader Funding, a proprietary trading firm focused on giving traders the opportunity to profit from the markets without risking their own capital. ETF offers a range of evaluations which test your abilities as a trader. When you pass, you'll be able to choose from funded accounts ranging from $10,000 to $300,000. The only risk is a monthly flat fee. The ETF community provides an excellent learning environment and networking opportunities for those serious about taking their game to the next level. We are excited to offer our listeners 30% off of any trading evaluation on ETF's site except for Fast Track. Use the link in the show notes to start your journey as a funded trader today. This episode is brought to you by Kane Capital, a trading community over 25,000 strong featuring live trading alerts and educational content. Link in the notes to join for free today. It's so hard for me to sit back here in this studio looking at a guy out here hollering my name when last year I spent more money on spilled liquor in bars from one side of this world to the other than you made. You're talking to the Rolex wearing, diamond ring wearing, kiss stealing, woo, wheel of dealing, limousine right, jet flying, son of a gun, and I'm having a hard time holding it down. You ain't about that life. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to TCP episode 79, about to get underway. We've got Matt from Rocket Scooter back on the podcast. Excited to catch up with him. He's been doing a lot of cool stuff, not only with Rocket Scooter, but on Twitter. And a lot has changed. A lot has happened since the last time we had him on the podcast. But before we bring him on, no, what's going on, brother? Alejandro, what's good? Extremely excited to have Matt back on the pod. It seems like um, a really long time ago. It's like a little bit under a year, I guess. And it's really awesome to see sort of not just how Matt has evolved and grown, but how our relationship, you know, with Matt and Rocket Scooter has evolved and grown over that same time. So excited to dive into all the developments um, of the past 11 months or so and uh, catch up with Matt. Let's do it. Absolutely. Matt, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Guys, thanks for having me. Doing great. How about yourself? Doing awesome. So as Noah mentioned, we had you back on. Was it almost a year ago? I guess it was like last August. Yeah. 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 About a year ago. That is crazy to think about. So we didn't know anything about Rocket Scooter. AJ had recommended that we bring you on the podcast. Mm -hmm. You talked about Rocket Scooter. Mm -hmm. We were intrigued. We started working together, checking out the platform. And now it has become a vital 
part of my trading. I'm using oh, it every day. It's awesome. starting to grow a ton. I see you smiling. You should be proud of everything yeah. that you guys have been able to accomplish over the past year. It was one of those things where we first, when we first checked it out, mm-hmm. Noah and I kind of looked at each other and we're like, this has legitimate potential to be something huge. Mm-hmm. And we're still in the early innings of what Rocket Scooter is and will uh, become. And it's been awesome to watch and appreciate you for, you know, taking all the time. I know that when we were early on in the Rocket Scooter process, you were doing Zooms with us mm-hmm. all the time, teaching us the platform, trying to get us to understand how things uh, work. Then it definitely is paying off and helping us in our trading a ton. Oh, that's great. And I'm, I'm really glad to work with you guys. Uh, you know, having Zoom calls, especially it's 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 to us, it's really important because it's a new philosophy. It's a new concept. And a lot of people, uh, you know, learn technical analysis and charting and to bring and deliver a whole new style of analysis to retail. There's always a learning curve. And so, you know, back then we started off, you know, Zoom calls and training. Uh, and now as the year has gone by, we've created so many, so much educational material and made it very simple to kind of have people on board and catch on really quickly. So you guys helped pioneer that educational process, you know, working with you, learning, you know, what it was to teach somebody who was already a substantial trader and already knew stuff and, you know, seeing how, how easy it was for you to become acclimated to it um, really helped us develop the educational side of the platform. Yeah, that's a really important point as well. For us, it was... A pretty easy transition, just adding Rocket Scooter to our tool bag. And I know that that's kind of how you designed it. Mm-hmm. And when you were first meeting with us and, you know, we were learning, you made it a, a, you made a really big point of us not necessarily changing our own personal strategies or systems at all. It's just kind of introducing Rocket Scooter. And that's why I think that so many people are starting to gravitate towards your platform because everybody's like, okay, like this is something I can very easily integrate into what I'm already doing. And it's making me a better trader. It's not like you have to relearn everything you've ever learned or completely change the way you trade. I know that you trade, you know, mainly using the Rocket Scooter platform. Like that's what you do. I'm not like that, right? I have my, my own strategies, stuff that I've always done. Um, you know, in futures trading, but I I now always have the spy rocket scooter chart up and looking at the liquidity mm-hmm. maps, mm-hmm. and it helps me a ton. And with a guy like uh, Mander, Money Mander, who's an options trader, he's still doing the same stuff. You know, technical analysis, chart mm-hmm. patterns, mm-hmm. trading options. But now, every time he goes to take a trade, he's going to look at the liquidity map. He's going to look at monthly maps, which you know we'll talk about all that later on in the episode. And I think that that's why. It's so awesome what you guys uh, are doing, what you've built. Oh, thanks, man. Well, that, that means a whole lot to me. We, we work really hard at uh, not only building the platform, but developing the concepts that we, we baked into it. And, you know, for most people, um, you know, when you're trying to learn anything regards to the market, it's hard for you to add layers to analysis. Like you want to look at something, you want to look at it from all kind of angles and get a, a fuller view of something. You want to look at the light side of the moon and the dark side of the moon. And so when you put a bunch of indicators on your chart and you keep piling indicators on, they're really just more of the same. They don't really give you any additional, you know, anything that's based on price action doesn't give you anything additional uh, to what you already see. Price is the input to that calculation and the output is some kind of math. 
And so 50 indicators are one indicator. I would say that after one or two, you, it's all diminishing returns. And everything being price action based kind of takes the you know assumption that you can predict price action of the market. So in Rocket Scooter, we threw all that out and we started off with the idea that you can't predict price action, but what you could predict very accurately was where volume would be. And everybody knows volume is the next wave of analysis. And the idea that you can see the dark side of the moon is that you would look at something that's just completely trying to predict price action, like technicals. And the other side of the coin, like fundamentals, is a completely different style of analysis, right? You would look at just the macro and micro uh, economic data and then assess the health of something to go with your charts. Okay, that's two totally separate things. And then so we were like, well, let's add a third thing to the mix that's neither of those two and completely exclusive to those uh, philosophies. So you get a, a third angle that's completely pure. Um, and the inputs of our stuff is options data. And the output is predicting where volume will be in a price. You know, there's no more flipping between multiple time frame charts. Uh, I never change off the one minute chart. I never look at hour charts or anything like that. Um, I don't have to do a bunch of things. I just know where volume will be at different prices every day. And so knowing where volume will be at a price, if you add that to price action indicators, which is trying to find where price will pivot, the two very powerful tools, one's telling you where traders will be, the other one's trying to predict which direction it'll go when you get there. And so we thought, you know, having the idea of looking where, where volume will be will help isolate traders uh, choice making to just a few hot spots every day, you know, hit a, hit point A or point B, take an action and anywhere in between is just noise and reducing noise and reducing the amount of trades people take has been overwhelmingly positive response from all of our users as people say, you know, I used to trade so much and trade all the time and always look for things. And now I wait for things. And to me, when people say they wait for things, it's such a powerful thing. It means they have control over their actions. And to me, that's a huge step in trading. It takes some of us decades to get there and people out the door are starting to learn control and, and behaving with control. And to me, that makes it seem like, you know, uh, 10 years of learning in, in just a couple months. So, you know, it's hard to develop that control on your own. And to us, that's a big success. 100%. Um, why don't you, for anybody who didn't listen to um, the first episode or maybe has never heard of Rocket Scooter somehow by now, uh, just give like a very brief overview of what Rocket Scooter is, what the platform is, and what you guys do over at Rocket Scooter. What's your what's your sort of mission over there? Sure. Uh, our mission right now, uh, so last year, we released the platform, and we have the traditional things that a platform will have, you know, charts, scanner, uh, the indications I talked about, which reveal where market makers and dealers are positioned. The idea was to hand that information to retail traders. Uh, if you know where the bigger banks and the institutions are positioned, where they're hedging, you can get a better view of the market. Um, you can prevent a lot of fake outs, prevent a bunch of bad signals. If you really know that everyone's bullish, like, you know, obviously like it's been that way for a while, the platform is just showing that everybody's positioned bullish and, and no surprise the market hasn't come down. And, you know, using that as a risk management effort is one of my, one of my biggest uh, missions here is to create a risk management based uh, trading platform that gives traders a basis in risk management. So, you know, uh, what's really going on and how to, behave, I guess, in a, you know, controlling position, controlling risk, controlling position size, uh, and not just trying to chase trades with no guidance. So risk management is a big part of our mission. And the next mission that we have, so a year later, um, is to be the most interconnected trading platform on the planet. So what we're going to do in the next two months is we'll be able to connect to over 120 brokers 
Uh, just about every major US broker, every futures broker on the planet will be able to connect to just about all of them. And you can trade all of your brokers in one place. So not only having next generation tools, uh, but also having the ability to trade just about any brokerage account from one place. And you can flip between them very quickly. That way you have everything you need in one spot. So having that is our, is our next mission. Uh, and I'm really excited to say that that's going to be coming out. Futures will be released in about two weeks, two or three weeks. Uh, and then immediately a month after, we'll have the ability to connect to a bunch of equities brokers. So all, pretty much all the majors. Yeah, I, I know um, futures I'm, I'm super excited about personally. Just, you know, as a futures trader, being able to have these, not only these levels on your chart, and like Alejandro mentioned, you know, even as somebody who trades ES, mm -hmm. you know, I'll have the SPY chart up, right? The SPY liquidity map um, for the day. But just that process of going back and forth, I think, adds a layer of friction. And so for me, that's going to be so key, having that on the same chart that I'm sort of doing my own analysis on. And then you can literally toggle on and off, you know, where is hedge pressure for the day in addition to what I already did, right? Let me, let me do my entire analysis. And then as a finishing touch, cherry on top, I can toggle on and off this hedge pressure. The hedge pressure lines up with my analysis. That's an easy trade for me, right? Mm -hmm. And I think... Um, you know, that is really something that's going to be a game changer. And I'm sure it has been a game changer for so many people on the Rocket Scooter platform. I feel like when you first get into um, trading, one of the most difficult things is really deciding like when to press the button, right? So like, for example, I, I used to trade a, a moving average strategy. I know that so many of our listeners do. And so I think this will be an easy example, right? I see price coming up to a moving average. I think that it's going to act as resistance. When do I get in? Do I get in as it's coming up to that to that moving average? Do I wait for it to reject off? Do I wait to confirm with volume, right? Do I check the other time frames and see where those moving averages are? And I think that going through that process, especially while you're about to get into the trade, is so much to to handle like mentally that a lot of times it can cause you to make mistakes, mismanage the trade, get in late, get in early, get out late, get out early, things like that. Whereas with Rocket Scooter, it it really does give you like an actionable like here is when you know if if your analysis is right, here is when you should get into the trade. Here is probably a good place to um, you know cut your trade for a loss if you're wrong, and as long as you know. For example, if you're bullish, as long as we're in the bull zone, you can expect that your, you know, your position will continue to to move higher or up until your next level of resistance or whatever it is. And so I think having that that um that level of like actionable, here's what to do is so helpful for traders because it, it lets them sort of take out a lot of that um, you know, confusion and sort of almost anxiety that builds up when it becomes time to press the button, when it becomes time to get into their positions. I think that that's something that Rocket Scooter helps with um, immensely. And I think that as a newer trader, you know, that's that's really going to be key in your development is, is understanding when, you know, when am I supposed to take action? And I think that Rocket Scooter really helps with that. You nailed like one of the most important things is knowing when you're wrong. And that to me is the, one of the biggest hurdles traders have is knowing not only knowing how to, when they, people always say, you know, ride your winners and cut your losers short, but how do you know that you're wrong? How do you know? And then how do you know how to get out of the trade properly? You know, knowing when you're wrong was one of the biggest key motivators for creating something like hedge pressure in the, in the bull and bear zone and liquidity map. If trading is in a bull zone and markets fall and still stay in the bull zone, it's likely to stay bullish rather than collapse on itself. You know, you see a bunch of red candles in a bull zone you know, your brain should snap into, ooh, I buy the dip, not let me chase the short. So it eliminates so many bad choices, I think, to just trade on the wrong side, or if I'm long or say, for instance, I'm in a trade and I'm long and 
and hedge pressure breaks to the other side, I know that's going to accelerate the move to the downside. I know to get out of the way quick. Knowing with just rules that don't ever change when you're wrong, if a level you know supposed to have volume and I get there and I take an action and it goes the other way from that spot, I know I'm wrong. And I can quickly back out of the trade. And that to me, especially in my own learning, was the hardest thing to, to figure out because you know when you have so many options and so much variety on things you can use to trade with, None of them tell you when you're wrong. It, RSI at 20, well, it's over oversold. Let me buy. Well, it could be 20, 15, and 10 and stay there for three weeks. When does it turn around? Nothing. There's no number that says this is when it's wrong. Everything just, everyone has educated guesses, but hedge pressure is discrete. You break it, you're wrong. And, and that's basically what it is. I mean, the mathematics are really solid on, on what that thing represents. Hedge pressure represents something substantial and repeatable. So having repeatable rules that say when you're wrong is just, to me, one of the biggest motivating factors of when I say we, we don't do risk management. That's really what the key part of, of that is in the platform, is knowing when not to trade or knowing when to sit out or when you're wrong. And a lot of the cool features we've had since we've talked last are all geared towards you know alerts that tell you um, when markets are irrational, so when irrational markets, I trade small. So now I have alerts that I use to guide me to trade small as opposed to trade big. Um, the alerts told me today market's going to be chopping all over the place. Today's market was chopping all over the place. Um, I could trade small or not trade at all. And you know, that kind of um, repeatability is so good for traders because when you get in a situation uh, when money's on the table, especially if you're new, some people aren't combat hardened to really be able to just keep their cool when when it hits the fan, you know, and the idea that you just know what your rules are makes it easy. So you don't have that deer in the headlights moment and you freeze up and then forget all your rules. You know, that happens so many times, all of us. And, um, you know, if you don't have good rules to begin with, you get caught in that moment. And then that's what happens. People blow up and people just get lost and then forget everything they knew because they're nervous or scared. Uh, and then this is, is like designed to just be in your face as a gentle reminder of what rules you already knew that you're supposed to have. So to us, it's such a big deal. I definitely want to dive into some of the newer, um, some of the newer features that you guys have added to the platform since we had you on last. But um, I just wanted to circle back to one thing you said about um, knowing when to when to size up and size down, and because this is sort of the moment I think personally where I knew that Rocket Scooter would be, you know, something that's going to be a part of my trading going forward. You know, for the foreseeable future was. Um, I had a pretty good day. Alejandro and I both had a pretty good day. Um, this was like back in February or something. And we were using Rocket Scooter and in confluence with our other um, strategies. We both had a really good day. And that night I was going out with Alejandro to an event and we get in the Uber and we're on our way to this event and we're talking about trading and we're talking about, you know, how do traders ultimately take that next step? And one of the things that we came up with was, you know, it really is so important to understand when to put your foot on the gas and when to sort of back off, right? When to, when to really um, be aggressive and when to, you know, like you said, trade light size and, you know, maybe be a little bit more cautious. And the best traders that I've seen really have that down to a science, right? When to be aggressive in the market, when to really press, press, press your edge, and when to maybe take a step back, trade lighter size, trade don't trade at all, that type of thing. Um, that is, you know, amongst successful traders that I've seen and met, that is one of the most common threads that I see throughout Easy. all of it. And so, 
Um, and we were actually referencing you because you, you know, we were talking about how, you know, on this particular day, I think that you had like a killer day on like some, some sort of um, BLU setup that ripped. And we were like, mm -hmm. you know, that is really one of the main benefits of rocket scooter. It's not necessarily the fact that it's going to tell you where support and resistance is. Cause I mean, while that is amazing, you know, you can relatively do that on your own. You're probably not going to be as accurate as rocket scooter, but you can more or less do that on your own, but there's nothing else out there. That's going to tell you when to be aggressive, right? When to, when to press your edge that you have against the market and when to say, you know what, maybe today's not the day to do that. Maybe today's the day to preserve my capital for whenever that day does come. Right. And I think that's really one of the main benefits of, of the platform. Right. You nailed it. When all the lights are green, pressing your edge. I love the way that you said that. And one that one of the biggest culture shocks when people come over, because you know, I, I I tweet my results and people can see that, you know, I have my live trading. I, I use Rocket Scooter for pretty much exclusively for everything I do. And and when people come in and want to learn what it is we have to teach, they're very shocked at how little I actually do. Um, I press my edge when it lines up, and I'm probably the the biggest wuss when it comes to taking risk. I I cut, I cut, I cut, I fold, I fold, I fold. I'm always walking away. And these like to me, I tell everybody. The, the, the difference between me and you, not you guys, but me and like whoever comes to me to say, hey, I want to learn what you do. So the difference between me and you is you probably trade 50 times as much more than I do. You probably trade all the time. You probably trade up and trade down in the same day. You probably flip flop. You're probably always looking for an opportunity. And I can tell in one minute after the market opens if I'm sitting out for the day. It's that easy. And I have to figure out what I'm going to do on the stream to entertain people for an hour. I'm usually like, uh, all right, guys, well, let's listen to music or let's let's talk about movies or something. But I know that quick. And when you get down that when you get out or when you fold or when you walk away to a science, that is that's what that's the difference between a good trader and a bad trader. That is the difference um, losing correctly. Um, and I always tell people there's two, you know, losing is an art form. You, you naturally lose when you get started because you're not good at trading. As you get better at trading, you lose less. You have a really good win rate. You know, my win rate for 2023 is over 70 percent in my trade day trading futures. Now, here's the thing, we don't lose a lot once you start getting better, then you forget how to lose. So that when you do lose, it's actually a big deal. And sometimes you mess up really bad because you haven't lost in a while. Like imagine a acrobat that's never taken a fall. They don't know how to do it anymore. You're getting really good at it. So like trading is the art form of balancing how to lose and how to win. You wanna lose just enough that you don't forget how to lose correctly. And you want to make sure that when you win, you press your edge when it's appropriate to press hard and not press your edge whenever it's no longer in your favor. If you master all of those things, you're going to be successful as a trader. And people notice and they come in and say, well, man, I, gosh, I'm like, you're not trading a lot. I see your results, but I don't know if I like your style. And my, my joke is always this. I don't like my style, but I bet you like my lifestyle because I do, I kill it as a trader. So if you want the lifestyle, adopt the style. The style is less is more. The less you do, the better. And you avoid random stuff in the market, lightning strikes, and you're on the wrong side of the trade. I mean, the less you do, the better. Strike, get in, get out, be first, be out first, and just take what you know and sit out a lot. It's a lot less frustrating. It requires, you know, like the patience of a monk. But honestly, as the years go by, trading is a job that you want to master. The mastery of it is knowing what your edge is and only striking when you have an edge. You're no longer gambling. It's not exciting to trade anymore. Uh, to gamble. It's exciting to know your edge and apply it when it applies and wait for it when it doesn't and to keep your hand off of that button so you're not pushing the button against your edge. Uh, and that patience is really where the mastery comes through. And every, like you said, every trader I talked to said the same thing you did. Um, 
to say what they all have in common as a master. And all, all the people I know that are great are very patient and wait for their setups. They know their edge and they execute just there. The market's moving up. If it wasn't part of their plan, they don't jump in and say, oh crap, I'm missing out. They go, well, tomorrow's another day. Hey, Noah, what do moving averages, RSI, and MACD all have in common? They're all lagging indicators from the 70s with weak ability to predict future price action. Exactly. Modern retail traders need modern trading tools. That's why we've partnered with Rocket Scooter, an artificial intelligence and algorithmic charting tool that predicts where high volume will occur before it happens. That's right. Rocket Scooter's 15 unique indicators help visualize in real time where institutional players are interested on almost any stock and gives you a clear-cut game plan for how to take advantage of the underlying mechanics of the market. A platform like that probably costs a ton of money. Right now, they're offering three months of Rocket Scooter Pro for only $35 a month, knocked down from the original price of $179 a month. Take advantage of this monster deal by heading over to the link in the show notes and getting started using Rocket Scooter today. That's so funny you mentioned that uh, today. So this week, I've taken three trades. One of them was a break even yesterday. So a few things, a few points to make here. Yesterday, market rips like 50 points. I was long. We had ran like a couple points from my target. So I moved my stop to entry. It comes down. It grabs my stop at entry. And then we rally like 40, 50 points. And, you know, a couple years ago, I would have been freaking out, right? Like I would have been like super pissed, like, but I just, I literally just like shut it down for the day. I went to the gym, whatever. And then I come back this morning and I make a winning trade. And already, like I've forgotten about that. Like it's just completely irrelevant, right? Like you have to, like I'm like, it, it definitely takes a while and it's not easy and not to say I still don't make mistakes. But at this point, I'm like, as you mentioned, it's not like exciting to trade anymore. Like when I first started trading, it was like, I remember taking like 15 trades a day, like trading these like, like options and stuff just because I was like, oh, like I'm a trader. Like, let me take as many trades as possible. Like, this is so sick. Now I'm like, I'm like, dude, like I need to be done trading by like 11. Like, let me take my one trade. Mm -hmm. So I, I've taken two trades uh, this week that uh, actually resulted in a profit or loss. They were both wins. And I was in those trades. It was like a total of like 20 or 30 minutes of actually like trading, I would call it. And then I'm just like in a runner and I just shut it down for the day. And I feel bad because, you know, as you know, Noah and I, we run a discord and we're supposed to be like, you know, like the traders. Like we're supposed to like trade the market and like be up. around. Yeah, the, go, and I'm like, rally up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, honestly, I'm like, guys, like I just hit my trade for the day. Like I don't even want to look at a chart anymore. Like yeah. that's like. That's just kind of how I treat it. But then I come and that that night I'm spending at least two hours like reviewing, planning, tr uh, like studying, uh, getting ready for the next day. And that's kind of the part that people don't see is the work that is done behind the scenes. Like once the market opens, that's just kind of like, OK, like let's execute our ideas that we had planned. If they work, they work. If they don't, they don't. And then let's like try again the next day. I think when. I first started trading, it was a lot of like, okay, let's see what the market is going to do. And now I'm going to like, like, what, it, what do I think it's going to do? Is it going to go up today? Is it going to go down today? Like, is it going to go sideways? Like, should I, should I sell options? Should I, you know, uh, go find like common stock or um, individual stocks to trade? Am I trading that? Like, just so ridiculous. Uh, now, obviously, you know, I'm 
because I'm strictly trading S&P futures, I'm trading ES, it's very, very simple. Like I'll write out a yeah. plan, I come in, uh, like yesterday, I think, no, what were we trading at yesterday at the close? Like 44, uh, 40 something maybe, or 20 something, 44, 20 something. And I wrote, I was like, all right guys, like I really like uh, 4,400 uh, for a dip buy. Like that's the area I'm gonna be looking to long. And I was like, if that doesn't come, like I'm not doing anything. And lo and behold, it came this morning and it was a perfect entry for, you know, a 30 point bounce. And I'm like, okay, like that's, that's it. Not to say that the idea is going to work every time, but kind of just that idea of, you know, putting the odds in your favor and being super patient and realizing another big thing is that it's a super, super long game and that, Mm -hmm. you know, one day is going to have absolutely zero effect on how good you are as a trader on your trading career on the amount of money you're going to make if anything the only thing it could do is you know hurt your account so like yesterday when i miss you know a potential 40 point winning trade there's no reason to be upset right that's one of 250 trading days in the year so really really good point there dude i remember those days like I, I, I like when you said I, I'm a trader now, I remember like when I first said that, like my first week trading, I uh, like I know because I, you know, I was an engineer and I got laid off and then, you know, I kind of just goofed around for a little bit. So my, my buddy got me into trading and then I'm like, oh, I'm a trader now. Let's go. Let's mount TVs up in my room. I got CNBC playing every morning, got my coffee, working in my pajamas. I'm like, yeah, I'm a trader. And I remember just your first my, my theory and I, well, it's like theory. It's like this is what really people deal with. And I guess it is three. So like the first trade you take sets the stage for your next five years of trading. If your first trade is a windfall or a win like mine was, you get overly confident. I'm actually my, I think my first like four or five trades were a win. And the funny, the funny story is I had no idea what I was doing. I got in, I know I put my money in an E-Trade account. I started trading and I, I made a win. It was like 150 bucks. I'm like, that was like five minutes worth of work. And I, I had no, no style or anything at all. Right made another win. I was like, yes. And I put in some more and I'm like, yes, one more made another win. Fourth trade made some win. Good. Try to make a fifth trade. And it's like, we can't execute your trade. Accounts locked. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like, we locked your account. And I was like, what, what do you mean? Locked the account. I call them up and they go, yeah, there's a pattern day trade rule and, and all this stuff. And I was like, wait, what? Cause I, I think I only put like maybe like 10 grand or something in the account. Knew nothing. None of the rules, nothing. And then and then I talked to them and they're like, yeah, you know, you can only make so you can only make three rolling day trades or three day trades in a five day rolling period if you don't have 25,000 account. And then that's when I go, oh, God, I don't know what I'm doing, like immediately on day one. So I was like immediately like saturated by a windfall, but then immediately scared of all the rules. And, and I was like, OK, let me figure this out and I went back to the drawing board. Now, luckily, they had this. OK, you know, it is your first day. We can undo it one time, but don't mess up again kind of thing. And they they, they cleared it up. So then I, then I was like, okay, I ended up depositing more money in the account uh, to, to cover it. But uh, the funny thing is, is that I, I was so like, okay, it's so easy to make money. Like I kind of just won right out the door and I had no idea what I was doing. I was literally just pushing a button. It was going up and I was buying bank stocks in 2010. Like you couldn't pick a loser when you bought bank stocks in 2010. And it was just like, you know, false confidence. And it took years to unwind that false confidence because when the market would turn around, I didn't, had no idea what I was doing you know, that first year. So, uh, but like I'm a trader now and I was over trading. I got TVs in the room and I learned that as the years go by, I get no TVs in my room. 
I haven't turned on CNBC in, in probably a, a decade. Like I haven't, you know, I don't wake up and listen to the noise. I know what I do. I wake up, I do it well. I don't do it when it's not lined up and then I'm done. And, uh, and I think every trader out there that's listening to us, you know, it takes a long time to carve out a style. It's like mastering a musical instrument. You can pick up a guitar and learn in a month enough to play at a party and get that number from that girl that's there. Yeah, but you're not going to be able to play at a concert and have music fans sit there and want to listen to you. So to master the last 2% of your craft does take a lifetime. You get 98% of the way there in a couple months. And, and we know that. And we try to get you there as quick as possible so that you can fine-tune your approach and really find your edge in those last 2%, which does take a long time to carve out. So, Can we talk about your trading and uh, the live yeah. trading you've been doing this year? The last time I checked, the last time I saw you tweet about it, the 10K account was doing pretty well. What's, mm -hmm. the, uh, what's the story there? So we're six months into... The year and you've been live trading mm -hmm. almost every day i know you've been way busier now that you, you got a bunch of stuff going on but uh what was the approach for those that don't know matt has been live trading an account that started uh with ten thousand dollars from the very first week of the year and he's been building it so how does that account look uh today and what is or what was the strategy and what is the strategy that you think that people with a smaller account should be using in order to build an account? So uh, the idea started off, you know, doing trading challenges is something that I always love doing because it re really recenters a trader close to where the people that are listening or following um, your, your streams or, or whatever you're doing to learn from you to kind of match with where they are and show the show what you would do from the start. And the goal, it, you know, each time I dream up one, I come up with some really cool ideas. This one was to, it was a two-parter. It was to um, take a, to, to start off in a prop firm. I, I did them backwards, but the idea was to, the trader would start off in a prop firm, um, make enough money before, you know, they take the profit split and then basically cash out and then seed your own account and then trade with the, with the proper tax benefits you would get from your own account. So I, I started doing the 10K account. It peaked at about 66. It's sitting right about 50 right now. Um, and when I was doing that, in the middle of that, then I started doing a, um, a funded trader funding program uh, with ETF. So the idea was to get to a 10K target with the trader funding program, which a trader can do with a nominal amount of money. Typically, you pay a monthly fee. Uh, and the rules are harder, so it teaches you how to have risk management out the door with a little bit stricter rules than you would normally give yourself. And the first thing I did was I got, uh, I did three of them back to back just to show it wasn't a fluke. I think I got total of like four hundred fifty thousand dollars or five hundred fifty thousand dollars. Hold on, two fifty plus three, yeah, five fifty thousand worth of funded accounts, and I kept one of them and and uh, traded that one. And then so the idea was, you know, showing the steps a trader would do. Uh, from the reality of what most traders face and they want to get into the game. That's an easy way to get into the game. Um, and so as soon as you get to the 10K, the idea is, you know, the 10K in your own account uh, does get capital gain 60-40 rule, which is a little bit better tax benefit than what you would pay otherwise in, in the account. So blending the two together is actually kind of a, a really cool uh, way for new traders to kind of see their own, you know, account or even start over if they blow up. Uh, and they're great. And like I said, I use ETF and ETF's great. And um, 
that is something that I think is really important for traders to who are wanting to learn is to watch somebody who's actually trading. And you know, with Rocket Scooter, and I say, you know, I have all these tools I use in this really, you know, kick-ass platform that just has this new neat stuff. It wouldn't make any sense if people didn't actually watch me use it live, you know. And so using it live kind of validates that I actually use the tools myself as well. And it's just been it's just been fun. I mean, that's part partially why I've been growing so fast. People come in and say, Oh, this guy's actually trading with this. He's not just, you know, throwing indicators at us saying they work and then, you know, we don't get to see it. So that's been, it's been really exciting. Um, yeah, you, as you said, I've been really busy lately. We've been unveiling so many new things and we have all these big things turning the next couple months in Rocket Scooter. And uh, the idea that we are going to open live trading in Rocket Scooter, the goal will be to finish a challenge in my own platform trading from Rocket Scooter. So awesome. we're at that phase where um on on my screen i want to show all rocket scooters amazing glory of all the things we have for it so the challenge will finish up in into that uh into our own features account here so i want to go back to the risk management part of trading the 10k account what was your strategy early on in order to kind of pad the account very easy um i have a rule in futures and this is a universal rule anybody can use uh, position sizing is key. Um, futures give you the ability to blow up your account in five minutes with the amount of leverage they hand out to you. So this is a rule that has helped me out um, since I came up with it. Uh, and it's based on the average expected move of the S&P. We teach something Rock Scooter called the risk interval. It's, a, it's based on the margin requirements set by the CME group. They set the performance bond minimum, which is the minimum amount that a clearing firm requires for a trader to engage in a trade with someone else. Like if you long and I short, the margin requirements, the magnitude of $10,000, $15,000, give or take uh, these days uh, for the S&P, it's in that range. So you and I both have to put in that amount of money. But you put in $500 with like trade of aid, for instance, and so do I. They give these intraday margins. So your brokers come up with the rest of the money and they both go into clearing. That number is actually set very meticulously by the expected volatility moves of the day because the market is allowed, futures allowed to deviate from the stock market because they trade when stock markets close. Futures move too far too fast. It cause a problem for dealers and liquidity and futures can kind of collapse the market if they're not handled correctly. So the av risk interval is a, an exploit of that. And what it does is it tells you the exact number the S&P is going to move before it destabilizes. Uh, if you, I know you guys know that it's, it's 31 points now for the S&P and it changes when the margin requirement changes. So a neat artifact is that anytime spontaneous volatility happens, like an event or catalyst, or anytime the S&P futures are trading with the markets close, it's the same principle. The market moves one risk interval on an event, say j talking and it drops really quick. Typically, that risk interval is the first stopping point. You will see it magically stops at exactly that number that we publish uh, first before it decides to move down or decides to move up. But there's always a volume buffer there. There's always action that just presses against the move at that point every time. So then what I do is I make sure that the worst case scenario is that I'm going to lose 31 points if someone snaps their fingers the wrong way. And um, in any other day, I'm so meticulous in my order, I'm never just bag holding for 31 points as it drifts lower, like I know where I'm going to get out. So I'm in a trade to make sure that if we fall 31 points, I don't lose more than a fixed amount of my portfolio. I use that for the ETF account the same way. Um, if you get a daily drawdown limit or a fixed uh, loss limit, then the lesser of the two is your target for the day. And so you make sure that 31 points doesn't blow that target and you don't get in a contract size bigger than that. You can do easy math in a spreadsheet. Same thing in my futures account. What I do is I take the net look of the account every day 
and I divide it by the initial margin requirement, which is published. It's 1.1 times the maintenance requirement published on the CME site. So if they say it's 10,000 example, um, then 11,000, which is 1.1 times that number, is the amount I actually pretend like I have uh, to put in per contract, despite the $500 that my broker lets me get into it at. So basically you make your account cash equivalent for the expected volatility for futures and you never over leverage. If that example, 11,000 was the number and I had 22,000 in my account, I'm buying two minis at the max. Um, not 44 or whatever, whatever I said it was. 22 minis or uh, micros? Minis, well, well actually, well, two minis equivalent. Uh, anything below two or three minis, I subdivide it into micros. So I'll usually trade the first 10 to 20 contracts uh, micros until I can get the granularity within minis itself. So typically, like if I'm trading five minis equivalent, 10 to 20 of those are micros. It costs a little more on the front end, but you really get to fine tune your initial entry. So putting in like, um, you know, especially like right out the door, if that number was two, um, then I'm trading all micros. If that number was three, then I might trade 20 micros in a mini. So typically up to about the two limit is when I start switching to minis. And um, I scale my position size with the account size, and then it just keeps that nice growth. Uh, so whenever you do have an event that goes against you, the percent drawdown on your account is the same with the $10,000 account as it is with the $100,000 account. You lose more money, but the percent's the same. Keeps a nice, clean um, equity curve. And um, that trick is awesome. Um, it keeps your position size relative. So essentially, it is it uses math to remove the margin they give you. Um, and you're just trading within that expected move every day. And you guys know the DD bands and rocket scooters, the risk interval up and down. And typically, markets bounce in between those, right? So you just want to make sure that if you're on the wrong side of that risk interval move that you blow up. And that's a, it's a great trick. And it's it keeps me floating even in the worst days. Having that risk management framework you know, going into whether it's a challenge or whether it's um, like you said, you're doing a, a prop firm account, whatever it is. I feel like that risk management framework is kind of the first thing that you have to nail down to make sure that, you know, um, like you said, you're not going to blow up given, you know, all the crazy things that can happen at any given moment. I mean, today's a, a perfect example. We kind of, we rallied, you know, pretty much all morning. And as we talked about, we sort of caught that move up and in what, 30 minutes over lunch too when most people you know step out to get a bite to eat es drops a good 30 points on you like actually exactly 30 points funny we're talking about the risk interval literally mm -hmm. drop what 20 29 there you go from 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 44 30 to 44 01 so 29 by the way but the, it's such a cool i mean the things and that just mirrors the kind of the stuff that we do here at rocket scooter because we're always we're not just creating uh, indicators that are calculating price and throwing out some number. We're all, we're exploiting something that's mechanical. Th those margin requirements are rigorously set by a program called SPAN that the CME made. And they set all the margin requirements for everybody based on expected moves. And that expected move is based on the positions that all the dealers are holding and the options in that thing. And everybody reports their positions. And then, then the CME goes, okay, that is the expected volatility. So this is where the risk is. Let's make people pay more because it's more volatile or it's less volatile. Let's make people pay less. And so as trading starts to press that volatility bigger or smaller, the CME group circles back around and adjusts the margin requirements, which changes the volatility, which circles back around just the margin. Requirements. And it's just a cat and mouse game that keeps going. Um, and so we're always trying to exploit something mechanical um, because that's repeatable. And instead of just chasing price all day long, the fact that we have 
uh, one of our key tools, DD bands, is based on the margin requirement, it really starts to show that like the next generation of trading tools, especially why we've become so, I guess, so you you know, people, everyone from all angles of trading are coming and, and liking the platform because they say, you know, this is different. It's like you, it's like you open up the hood and you found the things in the machine that's running and you're finding little quirks of these machines that that tick a certain way every time and you're exploiting that thing. And to me, as you know, as an engineering background, that's exactly what makes sense to me, right? You, if you find the thing that does the same thing every time, you have to make a trading idea out of it. 100%. I want to, um, I want to ask you, when we were learning the platform and we were doing the Zooms and you, you know, would have us come in and, and, and learn exactly, you know, what it is that Rocket Scooter is useful and how can we use it in our trading? I remember one of the things that I took away from a lot of those meetings was, you mentioned one of your favorite setups on Rocket Scooter. I want, um, if you don't mind, for you to share that that go-to bread and butter setup that you love, that you look for every day. You come in, you see that setup, and you're you're, you're foaming at the mouth to get in because you know that yeah. you know it has that it has that opportunity to to give you exactly what you want. It quickly get in, get out, and and go about your day. So why don't you dive into your favorite your favorite setup? If you could only take one setup on Rocket Scooter for the rest of your life, what would mm -hmm. it be? We call it the gold, called golden setup. Uh, golden setup is when all things point up. Liquidity map, bull long up. So basically, you're in the bull zone. You're above hedge pressure, and weekly hedge pressure is above monthly hedge pressure. So you have positive gamma on weeklies, positive gamma on monthlies. All forces pushing up, and then I'm going to trade just ES, and I'm going to look for spy DD to be above half, and the market not being irrational, which basically shows that the stocks themselves are supporting in a bull zone, and then look for resilience to be greater than zero, which basically just means that any gap down or gap up is going to support the halfway distance between the gap and then all things point up. So you got pressure from market makers supporting the gap. You got the index following the stocks, which are bullish and the index itself is being hedged up by monthly, weekly options, bullish BLU above resilience, DD bullish, no irrational signals. And if it touches hedge pressure, that is the biggest trade you'll ever see me take. And I'm along from that with a one tick with a one strike stop every single time. And in bear markets, they're rare. In bull markets, you can get that trade set up four, five, six days in a row. And those yeah. are, the, you, you can make a year's worth of work in just those six days if you wait uh, for them to line up. So everybody listening who's his rocket scooters not in their head right now. Really, yup, that BLU. <laughs> I remember texting in our group chat one day after a BLU. I was like, I think that I can just become a millionaire only trading BLUs. Literally just sitting there waiting for BLUs and just it's so obvious hammering it. Yeah, and like it's so obvious. And and the idea It is so obvious. It it's almost like too obvious though. I don't like how yeah. obvious it is. Cause I'm always like, Oh, I should have gotten heavier. Every yeah. time. Every time I'm like, I it's like, all right, here's a BLU and then we rally uh, you know, 30, 40 points. Now Obviously, guys, like don't go like going nuts. Like, yeah. Another thing too is you know picking the right side of the trade, and I'll tell you, monthly hedge pressure is the way to do that. The price is above monthly hedge pressure, then I'm either looking for longs or I'm sitting out. If price is below monthly hedge pressure, I'm looking for shorts or sitting out. That's my gauge on the which side to pick. I don't short when we're above monthly hedge pressure. I don't take little short scalps in a bull market. I don't take little long scalps in a bear market. That's a that's a deciding factor to narrow down half of my options already. And you know, the spy BLU is 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 always above monthly hedge pressure as well. So I'd be looking for longs also. But any other trade also, 
uh, follows that pattern. So any of the other liquidity maps, you don't see me taking short legs unless we are bouncing against monthly hedge pressure from the bottom. The only time I really ever short. And that's been very helpful. So the not like every day, should I short today? Should I long today? That makes a decision right out the door. Um, and that helps me out very tremendously because I want to trade with the institutions. Monthly hedge pressures where institutions are hedging with monthly options for positions they hold for months and quarters at a time. Typically to hold the dividend in like a mutual fund or, or you know, an, an IRA or or somebody that has like a large investment firm, asset management firm or something, you know, they have a lot of shares of stock. Um, they're going to hold them quarter to quarter to get the dividend. And so they're the ones buying monthly options every month to hedge like millions of shares they're holding. And so clearly if you're trading above monthly hedge pressure, then you've got bullish gamma from those option sellers longing the market with you. And if all the option sellers are also longing the market, why would I try to take short scalps against a machine that is just longing, uh, like a machine of millions of people that are just longing automated. Right. So, um, that to me is one of the most important parts of it as well, so. This episode is brought to you by Elite Trader Funding. ETF is a prop trading firm. For those of you who are unaware of what a prop trading firm is, they basically provide you with capital to trade with and your only risk is the monthly subscription fee. How it works is once you pass an evaluation account, you then become eligible for real money payouts. Now, there are a lot of prop firms out there, but ETF's customer support, the products, and the styles of evaluations they offer are unmatched. I traded and passed a 150K evaluation account, and they were always willing to answer any questions I had along the way. I wish that I had been introduced to them when I first started trading. Thinking back to all the money I lost when I was new to the game, getting the chance to trade a large account while only risking a monthly subscription fee makes too much sense. Not to mention, if you're trying to trade a small-sized account, you can develop some pretty bad habits. Trading a funded account lets you really put your skills to the test by trading more realistic size. Head to the link in the show notes to start your journey as a funded trader today. All right, so the last thing I want to talk about, and I saved it for the very end because I'm very excited to get into this conversation. You have been making some pretty big predictions on Twitter recently. Mm -hmm. And I will start by prefacing the fact that in October, you did call for the rally into the end of the year. But now things have gotten even better, you're saying, and you're expecting one of the greatest squeezes, biggest squeezes. Oh, yeah. We've ever seen. And oh, yeah. Matt, I want it to be clear that I absolutely love it yes. because we suffered through a year of doom and gloom, the perma bears, all this horseshit that was being spread everywhere that it, <laughs> it, I mean, I'm so over it. And to see the market rallying this year, I wake up every single day with a smile on my face. And then yeah. I go to your Twitter and I get even happier. Mm, mm. And trust me, guys, I have no bias. <laughs> no, not none whatsoever. <laughs> All right, but seriously, okay. let's so, talk about the monthly maps. Let's talk about the predictions you've been making. October 17th is when I made that prediction. And everybody, I was in a space with fundamental traders. That made it the worst. That was the worst experience. Everybody talked to me like I was stupid and didn't know <laughs> anything about the market, but this, but the Fed, but quantitative tightening. I'm like, that's this markets just don't collapse on their own weight. There's mechanics here at play. 
So October 17th is when I tweeted that. That is literally two days after it actually bottomed. And I don't make a lot of big predictive tweets. And I go, this is the bottom to the end of the year, genuine buying. And it likely won't get bad again until the summer. And as the spring started to approach, I started changing my thesis, telling everybody, well, last October, I said, we were going to rally through the summer. And people go, how high do you think you're going to go? I remember even... Um, Noah and I were in a thing and he was talking about 440 and I was saying maybe 460. I remember we had that conversation one day <laughs> and that was about the 410, 420 range. Around then I was thinking that we would actually double top in the S&P and pull back. As of last week, I think the S&P goes to 500. It might not even stop till six. And it's because we barely escaped a recession. This isn't technical analysis. This is all fundamental data. The fundamentals have all turned around. Two things in October when I made that call, there's two safety nets you can look for as a trader. You get the commitment of traders report. And anytime the S&P futures have had the dealer position as a net positive, the stock market has never crashed one time. The dealer is holding the bag. They never crashed the market on themselves. Tried and true. Safety net number one. Um, in October, that was definitely possible. That was definitely there. So the floor was in. Uh, number two is a liquid market is when the asset managers and the hedge funds are either buying and selling to each other or like basically selling against covering or buying against shorting, as long as those two numbers are pinching together, fanning out, then the market's liquid and liquid markets also don't crash. You need an illiquid market to crash. And that only happens when everybody's selling. When, when asset managers, that green line or whatever color it is on your committee chairs, when the asset management line is becoming less long and the hedge fund shot line is becoming more short. Both those lines point down and the safety net of dealers holding a positive position is gone, then markets fall. Right now, the dealers, they have been positive up until last week. They're now negative. Safety net one is gone. However, the longs are getting longer and the shorts are now squeezing as of last week on the COT report, which confirms the short squeeze I said three months ago we'd get. Rocket Scooter uh, predicted a short squeeze from the monthly maps. The tool we made monthly maps is phenomenal. It is a revolution. What it does is it looks at market maker risk and positional risk months in advance as far as they're out in the options and show you where the markets pivot. It showed early in the year when January came around, it was showing that we would be bullish until July. So I knew we were going until the summer. As of like three weeks ago, I made a tweet like newsflash, monthly map shifted and said we're bullish until October. The markets after last expiration, remember monthly expiration, that it was that week that monthly maps also showed that there's a tremendous short squeeze between now and October as bears are just getting out of the way as the months go by. They're not getting in, they're getting out. And so with the commitment traders showing this one of the biggest shorts we've ever seen uh, and Rocket Scooter showing those, those short positions are, are just disappearing um, like just completely parabolically. Uh, that's going to cause a short squeeze. It's likely not going to stop. There is no mechanic. Everybody's buying right now against the dealers. It pushed them short. So those two mechanics alone positionally are enough to carry the market. And as of the last three weeks, we've noticed some really key fundamental data. And the fundamental data was my tweet today. Um, is that it was don't don't underestimate tech bubbles and bull stupidity. That's exactly what I said. I showed a picture of when the internet was invented, you know, essentially when the internet became really big and popular in the late nineties. Um, the, the S and P went from 500 to 1500, right. Or 1600 as a once in a lifetime invention was the internet when it became a phenomenon. AI is a phenomenon. Now it's enough to create this. I don't want to miss out forever mentality. There are people that are just rushing into tech and it, and I know the bears out there are going to hate me saying this, but I'm sure from 1996 until 2000, people were bearish. Those all four years as it went up and denied the whole thing. This is a once in a lifetime invention 
uh, that's invention craze, if you may, that's going to make people rush into it. And not only that is that 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 tech boom was enough to pull us out of the recession, because if you actually look at all the fundamental data, um, even with rate hikes, um, there's a couple of instances in the 80s when rate hikes didn't even deter a, a bull market anyways. So even if the Fed raises or cuts, you know, raises rates in the middle of this, it's going to be so bullish it doesn't care. And all the fundamental data that go into a recession, which I define a recession as GDP not growing, so less GDP and more unemployment. Those are the two key telltale signs of a recession. Um, as of the last, you know, two or three weeks, we've seen the data turn around. Um significantly. So GDP growth rate quarter over quarter is still greater than zero. GDP is growing. Jolt's now pivoted up in the last report last month, which means job openings are there that are going to be filled in a 30-day window. You don't create jobs in a recession, so it's likely coming from the tech boom. Um, the continuing un unemployment claims or the continuing jobless claims that come out every Thursday have started to pivot down since April. So people that have been laid off are now going back to work. Jobs are created. Laid off people are going back to work. GDP growth is still positive quarter over quarter. And we've survived a bank crash, bunch of bank crash over leverage and a toxic asset, just like banks over leverage in 2008 and toxic assets that crashed those banks. We didn't survive that. We survived everyone leveraged up in crypto. And the minute the market crashed, bigger banks gobble them up and we didn't skip a beat. So good fundamental data, survive the worst bank crash, survive QT, survived rate hikes, GDP growing, jobs created, Unemployed people going back to work and the biggest short squeeze possible sitting here looming. I don't even see a bear case anymore. It's impossible for me to see any reason for this to come down unless a major tech company files for chapter 11 bankruptcy. Because I can't imagine a systemic bubble that pops that brings everything down. So that's why I revised my thought to all-time highs and higher because the telltale signs we're leaving a recession are great. The only thing that is slightly scary is that the initial jobless claims have been elevated uh, for the last maybe two or three months. So people are still getting laid off, but we're creating jobs now. So if they turn over pretty quick, then it's not going to have a big effect on the economy. People are usually more spend conscious after being laid off two, three, four months rather than their first month. So there's a delay between the, before that has an effect on the market. And I told people last October when they thought I was dumb and I said that the economic data would likely get better was that they're going, but the economic data is bad. And I go, yeah, but it's going to get better. I think this AI thing is going to, going to really take off. And people are like, oh, I don't know. And you know what I bought in October? NVIDIA, Google, I bought calls. That was up thousands of percent when I bought in that bottom and I said, I bet you this whole AI craze is the next internet. And people were like, but the fundamental day is bad. I said, it's probably going to be so good it pulls us out. It's going to create jobs. And uh, it's doing it as of last week. So there's my big prediction. Who knows? We'll see. Rock Scooter shows, though, we're bullish till October, at least now. So every week, we'll, or every, every day, you get up and rerun the monthly map and it'll show it. Monthly maps are so cool. Um, and I'm glad that I'm glad that we have that tool for everybody because I actually designed that tool as a thing for options traders to know how far out you would buy an option. So an example, you buy a call. What expiration do you pick? There's no real science for that. People don't really teach a lot about that. And so if I want the market to be bearish, I could say, well, at the strike I bought, when is it bearish? And I just look horizontally is does it ever cross a bear zone? Oh, it does there. Okay. Well, it needs to be at least hitting my strike before that happens. So you know, I got to tie my option the right way.
And it turned out to be a, a much bigger thing because monthly maps show where volatility will be in the future. It shows where bears are walking away, bulls are getting stronger. I mean, it, it turned into like one of the one of the fan favorites now because everybody can read the market months in advance. His positions don't lie, you know. That's that's the tried and true thing. S and P five hundred plus. Let's go. That's crazy, man. Uh, look, when 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 spy ticks five hundred, we're doing an emergency pod. We're gonna get Matt back on immediately, and we're gonna ask him. You know what? Like, what sort of sorcery did he have to pull to 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 make is it this like? Happen? Is it that? Is it that crazy though? Like, five hundred. The S and P five hundred goes up. Well, think, well think, is, is that is that a is that a no, this year I it, target? I think it's just like a or rate of that... change. It's a rate of it's a rate of change thing, right? Like yeah. for like from where we were, because like he's saying, bullish through October. So let's just say for shits and giggles, the market tops October one, right? The market bottomed last October in like what October nineteenth or something. Mm-hmm. So like that would be three hundred and sixty five days. Market went from like three sixty two to five hundred. Like that, yeah, that is that crazy. Like that's nuts. Do I mean like you wake up every day? The DD ratio in Rocket Sphere has been greater than half, which means bullish every single day. But two days this year since the bomb, you guys every day wake up. DD's showing bullish. Stocks. I haven't seen it. Yeah, I haven't seen it under. I don't. I don't even like. Sometimes I don't even like remember to look yeah. at it i'm like oh it's just in, you know two two days it fell to 50 and bounced around a little bit below 50 so it was like it crossed the barrier just two days stocks are bullish and they're trapped in bull zones i mean this is basically what happens and another thing to know about recessions and recession trading is that people tend to risk on uh into healthier blue chips and risk on into riskier stuff as they peak their normal investments so you move all your money to cash you can start buying stuff you're going to go into like your Caterpillars and your John Deere's and your McDonald's and your Nike's first before you're going to go into your, your smaller cap or medium cap stocks that are riskier, before you're going to invest in speculative things, before you're going to invest in ridiculous things, before you're going to invest in crypto, then before you're going to invest in NFTs. People tend to become dumber as they diversify. That's that's what I like to say. A dumber and through diversification creates dumbness because you run out of things to buy why did all the celebrities buy nfts well they 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 own colognes and restaurants and everything else you get run out of stuff to buy so you just put your money anywhere because you've made so much money everywhere else doesn't matter so people actually risk on the safe things first and the dumb things last and they they dump the dumb things first and get out of the safe things last so the way that we're on on that scale now we watch nfts collapse we watched crypto collapse we watched the stock markets collapse, and now things have been rebuilding. The stock market's been moving since about October of last year. The Russell hasn't. And as of the last couple of weeks, you start to see index divergence where the Russell's taking off. Uh, you get hedge pressure break to the upside on Russell when SPY breaks to the downside. Once you see people start risking on into the Russell while getting out of NASDAQ and S&P along the way, the rally is just starting because people are still telling you they're willing to put money in equities. If, if people are just rolling out a little bit of SPY and, and, and um, doing a little healthy sector rotation by jumping into medium and smaller cap stocks, they're not at the point of bubble or stupidity. They're not going all full port back into crypto. They're just buying smaller companies. And that means you're the middle of the rally. Once Russell starts taking off, you're the beginning or middle of the rally. So people are comfortably finally starting to break the Russell because it's barely moved, right? It's been flattened down for the whole year while Nasdaq's rallying to meet the double top. And then you got S&P halfway there on the, on the, from the downside. So now that Russell's moving, it, it gives me confidence in what I'm saying because people 
don't just put large amounts of money into the Russell intending to move it next week. The people that are buying the Russell to press it higher um, or switching their positions are people that are going to be buying for months and quarters at a time, which supports my October thesis. You don't start rolling millions of shares of stocks and Russell companies um, unless you're very confident. You would rather take cash and a small inflation hit unless you're very bullish on the Russell. So I don't want to I don't want to misinterpret what you're saying, but what it sounds like you're saying is like buy the board apes now, so yes. that when <laughs> you know people do get to that dumb level of the rally, I'll be I'll have ten of them, right? And when they start selling for six figures again, I can retire. That's ultimately <laughs> what you're saying. Oh yeah, I got it. I got it. I understand. No, but I mean, it it, it completely makes sense, and and. You're exactly right. I mean, we, we've been talking about the, the the move in the Russell for the past couple of weeks now, and um, and that's exactly what it seems like, right? Like a, like a rotation, literally out of things that have performed well. The, the Nasdaq's up literally thirty three percent this year. I think spies up. I actually don't know what spies up, but it's up. And the Russell's essentially flat. It, it, it's literally up zero percent on the year. And now you're seeing exactly what Matt's saying. Like and and as intraday traders too, like these are things that if you have them up, like it, it's actually kind of obvious like you you see the the visual strength like the aggression with which the russell will move up you know at times while the nasdaq is sort of just flat and sort of just mm -hmm. chopping around and you know this spy is just sort of flat and chopping around or maybe even red while the russell is you know long and strong and sort of breaking out on the on the um on the daily chart and so yeah i, I mean those things 100 do confirm um at least for the time being that 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 rally is still intact and so Another cool trick to go with that is if you look at the bottom right of the rocket scooter platform, we have the alerts that show head pressure breaks up and down. If one is broken up and one is broken down, that day is likely not to be collapsing. So that just shows sector rotating when people, why would one of them break down when the other one breaks up? Well, somebody dumped their shares in one of them to create a hedge break, to roll their shares in another to break it the other way. So when hedge breaks point opposite directions, typically the market doesn't sell off. It either stays flat or they all rally at the end of the day. When you see rotation, that's just a confident sign that money's flexing into the market. Markets, like, stonk, when people say stonks always go up, it's really not the correct uh, thing to say. Actually, if you add up all the stocks in history, almost all stocks actually go to zero. All companies tend to go, disappear over time. Um, so the stock market always goes up um, because the top 500 companies always go up due to you know inflation, but stocks are always going up because people are rolling money into the market. More people... You know, we make more babies, babies grow up and get jobs, more jobs, more humans, more money invest in the 401ks, just throw the stock market higher and higher as years go by. And so markets are always going to go up. And as long as there's a willing buyer, markets don't fall. It's like the tried and true, you know, like, uh, I guess the, the, one of the best things in the stock market I always tell people is as long as there's a buyer, the market never drops. doesn't matter what the buyer is, a short covering or long buying. As long as somebody's willing to buy, they're going to raise the price. And so if, people are willing to buy crypto and crypto starts rallying. You better have a lot of confidence the, in the index. That's not going to fall at off. The people are rolling in the crypto. That's the safe play. Well, the index is double safe. The people are rolling into anything while rolling out of something. It's like if I see NASDAQ go down and Russell break to the upside, I'm not shorting NASDAQ. I'm looking for NASDAQ to buy the dip. So tomorrow it'll rally when it catches back up. You know, the, when, the, when people are flexing money somewhere, very rarely does anybody lose confidence everywhere else. You're going to see people dumping their stuff to cash, then people get scared. So that's how I look at it. And and all the big hedge breaks to the downside are followed by something else breaking to the upside. So it's just a little bit of rotation right now. 
Um, as people are re-diversifying, they, they perceive this market to be safer than most of the bears thought. And I'm watching bears try to short the whole way up and the fundamentals are deteriorating in the bear case. And hopefully they stay good. If, that, if it turns back around and GDP goes negative or growth goes negative or people start getting laid off again, you know, jobs claims keep going up, that could cause you know, more layoffs or more problems. But as of right now, everything's looking stellar. Awesome, Matt. Well, a lot to unpack from that in general. Appreciate you coming on the show. This was awesome to catch up with you. Couple things. It's good to see you trading lights out this year, as expected. It's good to see Rocket Scooter absolutely killing it. And it's good to see the S&P 500 ripping face. We love to see those three things. We love to have Matt on the podcast. And we hope that everybody enjoyed this episode. Thanks again for jumping on with us. And in six months from now, uh, before the end of the year, we'll be sure to get you back on and we'll take a look at how things went. But it does sound like we have a lot to look forward to. If it doesn't go to 500, I'll come on the podcast with the clown mask. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. We're going to hold you accountable to that. I like that a lot. Getting clipped. Yep. All right, Matt. Thanks again for joining us. This was awesome, man. Really appreciate you. Appreciate you guys. All right, Noah. Another awesome episode. I'll catch you next week for episode 80. Yep. Thanks again to Matt and the Rock Scooter team. And we'll catch you guys next week. Our content is intended to be used and must be used for informational purposes only. It is very important to do your own analysis before making any investment based on your own personal circumstances. You should take independent financial advice from a professional in connection with or independently research and verify any information that you find in our podcast and wish to rely upon, whether for the purpose of making an investment decision or otherwise.